0: Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best internet minds in the business. Now, here is your host, internet brand strategist, Sandra Beck.
1: Guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and I've got a great show today. We are going to talk with Edward Fulloon and his book Ordinary Goodness. Now, before you go and type in F U L L Y O O N, which is how I spelled it phonetically, you're going to look up his spelling, which is V as in Victor, I L J O E N. So you can find his book. You can find his book on Amazon. Ordinary Goodness: The Surprising, Effortless Path to Creating Life of Meaning and Beauty. we're also going to bring on shortly Allison Carmen. She wrote a book called The Gift of Maybe. Now, both of these books have been great at really, really opening my eyes about certain things. And so we're going to have a roundtable discussion. But before we do, I'm going to give a message from Lyft. Now, Lyft is spelled L-Y-F-T. And I know that many of you are working from home. You're telecommuting for big companies. You're you're real estate agents. You're entrepreneurs your solarpreneurs, and one of the things that we have is a cash balance we have to balance our cash and many of us are working parents and single parents and we have to pay for dance lessons and if you had to pay for hockey or football lately it's horrifying much less paying for a college fund and because many of us don't have companies behind us We've got training programs that we want to take, we can't afford. We've got office equipment that needs to be upgraded or acquired, and we can't afford it. So one of the things that I'm bringing you today is the opportunity to be a driver for Lyft. Now, that's L-Y-F-T. So if you are looking to earn some extra money, if you're looking to pay for some of these things, and if you're trying to fund a startup, like this is one of the things that we do. We work for a company. We have a dream. We want to have a startup. We need to fund it. So how do we do it without taking out of our family pockets? You can drive with Lyft. And Lyft works for two of my good friends very well because they have their own family car and then they have a lease for their business and so they are actually making two car payments and Lyft allows them to drive to do ride sharing to be their own boss to pick up hours out and around their work day and they can add up up to fifteen hundred dollars in a very short period of time. They can make $35 an hour. I mean, this is really cool. This is so cool that you can earn up to $1,500 a week for driving your car that you already have. You can drive mornings, nights, and weekends. You can, you can earn tips right through this app and you cash out instantly once you make 50 bucks. So when 50 bucks comes through, boom, it cashes out And it all adds up, and you get to keep 100% of your tips. Now, I know many of you left corporate America for the same reason I did. You were so frustrated with the way that you were treated. And one of the things I like about Lyft is they treat their drivers really well. They treat their drivers right. So if you are interested in learning more about how you can supplement your income to pay for some of these programs, Go ahead and check out Lyft. That's LYFT.com front slash work smart. That's work smart. We work smart every day. Lift.com work smart. If you go and put in that show code from today, the work smart code, you will get a five hundred dollar new driver bonus. At to complete 100 rides within 30 days. So, we want to thank Lyft for, for sponsoring today's show, for working with us, for lifting us up, lifting them out of our financial problems. Lyft.com, front slash, work smart. Check it out. It might just work for you. It might work for some of your family members. Like I said, I've got two buddies that drive for Lyft and they love it. So, you're not going to want to miss this opportunity. Okay, we are going to go to our guest today. We have Edward Villune of Ordinary Goodness, and we have Allison Carmen of The Gift of Maybe. Now, I'm going to go to Edward first. I'm going to ask him, what inspired you to write your most recent book? And Allison, I'm going to you right after him, so be prepared.
2: Thank you very much. Well, I was listening to that inspiring introduction you did for uh, Lift, and you said they treat people right, and I think that's at the heart of my book. It's a a book about the return to common courtesy as a way to add value and meaning to a person's life. I really wrote wrote it for ordinary people who want to be uh, lifted up, who want to be confident that even though the world is turbulent around us, that... Goodness is still valuable, and it still connects us to each other when we use it.
1: That is so important. That is so important. I mean, we are here to make the world a better place. That's one of the reasons that I've set up these shows, so that information can flow to people who need it, when they need it, and how they need it, so that we can all exist in a world that is wonderful, because we really can create that. Allison, Carmen, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners?
3: Um. Hello, everyone, and hello, Edward, nice nice to meet you. And Hello. If, hello hi, and if the question is, um, why did I write the book, if, if that would be your question that you were going to direct at me right now? Yes. Um, I would say I wrote the book because um, we all suffer. We all suffer because we think we need to know, and it creates a, a lot of pain in our lives, and I believe that if we could just learn to embrace the unknown and embrace uncertainty in life, We'll live um, a life with more freedom, with more joy, and with more possibility. So my hope is that through this idea of maybe people would be able to liberate
1: themselves from their fear and and open up to a new life. Well, and one of the things that I love about both of your books, and I'm just going to go, I get all kind of title crazy because I am a total book lover. I love that Edward's book is Ordinary Goodness. And I love, Allison, that your book is The Gift of Maybe. Now, goodness, ordinary, maybe, gift, these are really easy words for us to digest. They're really easy concepts. I'm going to go to Edward first. Why, as a people, do we have such a hard time practicing ordinary goodness?
2: I think because there's such an emphasis on speed and extraordinary and fast and spectacular and dangerous that we get overwhelmed to the point where we forget to notice the ordinary things in life. So it takes a concerted effort to redirect our attention to those things that are there, have always been there in our neighbors and in our friends. And when we do turn to them we discover that even though the world may be super busy, there is this thread running through it of super goodness. And I, I just love this idea of maybe. I write about it too, that you know, if a person doesn't have a taste for ambiguity or paradox or contradiction, this life is very difficult. So I'm just loving that the title Maybe
1: Well, and I I put you guys together for a reason because I felt there was great commonality between your work, but not repetitiveness. And Allison, I want to talk to you about this concept of maybe, you know, Edward referred to it, but why is it so hard for us to live in a place of maybe where we don't have certainty? I think
3: because deep down, we're afraid we're not okay. We're afraid that what we don't know is going to harm us, or life's not going to work out, or things aren't going to go as planned. And, you know, the great uh, philosopher Krishnamurti says, I'm happy. He says, I'm always happy because I don't mind what happens, but we mind. We mind our kids are okay, we mind that we pay our mortgage, so the problem is that we have all these things we mind, and then we see that life 's uncertain, so we 're afraid that we 're not going to be okay, that things aren 't going to work out, and that 's why we suffer and what 's so interesting about life though is that when you when you re, if you really want to change change happens in the unknown, really, our best friend is uncertainty because that 's where hope and possibility lies, especially if you 're not happy today, it has to change in the unknown so it 's really interesting we hold on to certainty. But in reality, all the gifts, all the goodies, all the things we want to happen in our life really exist in the unknown. And this idea of maybe bridges it because it reminds us that just because you don't know, maybe everything is still okay. So it's this little word that opens us up from this fear to this broad place where we realize that life has maybe, life has possibility always.
1: Well, and it's such a beautiful word. I use the word maybe all the time. I use it with my kids. Like, you know, they're like, hey, mom, can we X, Y, and Z? Maybe. You know, can we, you know, do this? Maybe. But I never thought until I read your book that I could apply maybe to myself. And when I started applying maybe, and I don't know when you were on last, it might have been a year or so else, and I can't remember, but I read your book. I highlighted your book. Then I ripped your book apart. I ripped actually set pieces out of your book and and clipped them together because I can't keep everybody's books all the time from all these shows. But there were passages in there, and your book contributed to me creating an extraordinary life. And. One of the things was the concept of maybe in opening up the possibility for me to do different things, for me to expand. So the word maybe doesn't have to be one of those parental put-offs. It doesn't have to mean scary, It can mean the opening of a door for opportunity for us to grow and change and learn, just like Allison said. Now, her book, The Gift of Maybe, and Edward Fulhune's book, Of Ordinary Goodness, are available on Amazon. You can buy them wherever books are sold. These are really important books for you to have in your library. These are books important for people to read, especially if you're an entrepreneur, especially if you work from home, especially if you are in an industry that you deal with people and you can control in somewhat your your own income now when we come back from the break we are going to visit with edward and allison to talk about some of their strategies for building an extraordinary and meaningful life we'll be back after the break
4: From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying, to 14 ways to get a baby to eat, and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio.
2: It's merging.
0: Recently, while my family was skiing in Colorado, we were greeted by a red fox that darted out of the trees. This beautiful animal with his big bushy tail just stood in the snow and stared right at us. Maybe he smelled all the loverwort we had in our pockets. Loverwort is another word for junk and snack food. Typically, a red fox eats scrub and woodland, but this one appeared to have had his share of hamburgers and hot dogs from the chalet grill. Foxes are similar to dogs, except they are not pack animals. The female fox, or vixen, typically gives birth to a litter of 2 to 12 pups. When they are young, they all live together as a family, known as a leash of foxes. Once grown, the young foxes leave the burrow and go out to live on their own. It's words you it, words. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of business. Every day. Taking care of
1: Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and I've got a great show for you today, and we want to thank Lyft. Uh, They're sponsoring our show today and you can go to lift.com front slash work smart if you want to supplement your income. It's always a good thing. We're talking today with Edward Full of Ordinary Goodness and Allison Carmen of The Gift of Maybe. And this is really fun for me, you guys, because you guys are experts in your field. And one of the things that happened on commercial break, it's too bad there's commercial breaks because so many good things drop in commercial breaks. And we were talking about how you fall out of maybe and how that relates to ordinary goodness i'm going to put the mic over to allison carmen for more
3: the reason why we fall out of maybe is that we have all these expectations of how life needs to be we write these stories that we need to have this amount of money or life needs to go this way or our child needs to get into this college and with all these expectations happening all the time we start to believe that these stories are real and then when something unexpected happens we say oh life's not working out things will never change things only get, get better and what's happened is we're not living with maybe and we forget that life has this beautiful ebb and flow and when something doesn't work out there's something else that could possibly happen and that's where the maybe comes in and the interesting thing about edward's book is he talked about how we believe that life has to go at a certain pace and things have happened a certain way and what happens is We fall out of maybe and we don't trust life. And there's a beautiful simplicity to the moment. So when you're able to be in maybe, a lot of your fear and worry leave and you're able to kind of come back to the moment and live your authentic life. And I think that's where ordinary goodness comes in.
2: This is so beautiful. And I I think one of the reasons why we're afraid that we're not okay is because we take on the two high standards that are given to us through our culture. And this idea of maybe is about as I'm picking it up, a gentler approach to ourself and to the world, or maybe a more realistic approach. I, I think sometimes we're fed the idea that I have to be an expert. I have to be a Excellent. I have to be first. I have to be the best. And as a result, this self-talk emerges when I don't measure up to that and we, and we can't relax into the maybe. We take on a, a very harsh judgment of ourselves sometimes. And so I'm very interested in this more realistic approach. And ordinary is not such a bad thing. Ordinary doesn't mean plain. It means earthy and, and good. And, and it means what's in us is enough to meet the challenges of the world.
1: It's like, well, one, theater, oh, right? sorry, I'll, let me just pop in really quick here. One of the things Edward and, and Carmen that you've given my company, you know, I run a technology company. We produce multimedia and a variety of different topics. But one of the things that I started introducing in my meetings that came from, from, um, Allison and, 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 uh, from Edward's work was that we can do great work. But we don't have to do great work 100% of the time. We need to do great work where it matters. There are other things that can be just good. They can be even done poorly or they can be done at the last minute. And that's okay because we cannot consistently live in this high-performance environment and not have a stroke. And the one (laughs) thing that we bring to the table every week when we do our meetings, Allison, is I throw out what if. Or maybe we could and then I stop and I let other people finish those sentences to open up their creativity and recognizing that we don't have to function at 150% every minute of the day and that we can stop and play the what if game or maybe we could game opens us up to just unbelievable creative efforts that are much better than we could do if we were like slave driving at 150% thinking we always, always, always need to be exceptional. I'm going to go to Edward first and then to Allison.
2: You're reminding me of how important it is to make space to love the imperfect and to to give ourselves and each other permission to be real and to welcome in those questions that can't be answered and to even have value for those times when we discover I wasn't right, I'm incorrect. All of these things are so beautiful rather than that fierce uh, loyalty to being perfect 100% of the time. It's exhausting like you said.
3: And you know, what's also interesting is who's to say that giving 150% is the best way to succeed. Sometimes when you give that up, you give up the way it has to be. You enter in such an open, creative space that you end up with a better result. So it's interesting as we're letting go, we're letting go of these, these ideas, these paradigms, but we're, we're not letting go of success. We're just finding that there are a lot of ways to get there. And maybe even there are better ways to get there.
1: Well, and Allison, that's where, like, you you put me to bed to sleep some nights. I know you don't realize this, and I know we're in different cities and different states even, I think. You're in New York, right? Yes. Yeah, so you're in New York. I'm in California. But there are times when people come to me as the owner of a tech company, and I think everybody listening out there can relate to this. They want me to fix something, and they want it fixed now. And I look at them, and in my head, I'm thinking, you want me to fix something that you made that I created two years ago that's all botched up, that's never existed before in human history, and I'm supposed to figure it out now. And I want to look at them and say to them, are you out of your cotton-picking mind? (laughs) But I don't, and I smile at them, and I say, okay, I'll work on it. And I know tech people are notorious for taking their time, but some of this stuff is very complicated, And my best solution, a lot of times, Allison, is I say, maybe I'll sleep on it. Maybe I'll take a nap. And that's counterintuitive. I went to Northwestern. I went to their, you know, great schools twice. I went to, to, you know, undergraduate and graduate school there. And it was go, 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 push, push, push. More often than not, my solution is to take a nap of all crazy things. And I say to myself, maybe I'll take a nap. Because with the power of maybe, that's an option and that's a solution option that in my field gets results.
3: Our greatness often lies in what we don't know and we fail to see that. It's funny, we suffer because we think we know and we never see that our greatness exists sometimes in the unknown. And you seem to have been embracing that and I think that's absolutely beautiful because you're allowing your mind to float in this other place that's never been before and that's usually where the solutions are.
2: And it takes slowing down to be able to see these possibilities in our life. I think of it as a return to sanity. So instead of focusing on being intensely engaged, uh, I see a move more towards being intentionally engaged, paying attention to what has value or or what has heart for me. I think the fast pace of life makes safe maneuvering difficult. So I'm more in favor of this a mindfulness, paying attention to how I want to be in the world. How do I want to engage with people? It really connects us to each other.
3: Right. And when we're so afraid of the unknown, we don't allow it. When we're so afraid of the unknown, we think we have to keep going. We have to keep solving. There has to be a way. But when we're comfortable with not knowing, we can relax. What happens is the fear and the worry and the projections stop. And all of a sudden, you land into the moment. And that's when you allow the mindfulness. That's when you your heart opens. That's where everything really happens. But we have to be able to get back to the moment. And I think when we deal with our relationship with uncertainty and we start to heal it, that's when we become more
1: present. Well, that's yeah. one of the So I want to honor today, um, you know, I'm always the biggest advocate for tech nerds because, you know, I'm a tech nerd and I was the person that everybody hated in the company because I was grouchy and grumpy and I would figure out things in my own time. But the fact of the matter is living with the unknown gives you permission to be your best. If you really want to be your best, you have to sit with discomfort. You have to sit with not knowing. And every tech person has been handed a piece of equipment or a piece of software that didn't work. And your only directive is fix it. And it's, unbelievable how many variables could go in, how much unknown, how much uncertainty. It's a given, which is maybe why tech people are so cranky all the time. But it's a given to sit in that unknown. But it's very, very hard for us to be in that unknown place. And faith is another one of these big unknowns. And I'm going to put the mic over to Edward. And I know we only got a couple of minutes before commercial break. And we're going to bring this up uh, next segment. But where does faith fit in with the unknown?
2: I think of it as experience. The more I exercise my experience, like being comfortable with the unknown, the better I get at feeling okay with it. Because we're desperate for meaning. In the absence of meaning, we'll make it up instead of being uncomfortable comfortable with our uncomfortableness. I've seen that happen in a class we teach where we ask people to, um, to walk ac- across the, the front of the class, but we don't explain why they're walking ac- front, uh, uh, past the students in the class. And then we ask the students what was the meaning of the person walking. And they come up with all sorts of meaning because they're desperate to have something to explain the way their world is.
1: Well, and that gives us comfort. It gives us comfort when we have an explanation, and both of you are explainers. You explain some <laughs> of the stuff in your book. I mean, which I think is really funny because your you know students come up to you or your readers come up to you. The books that we're discussing today are Ordinary Goodness by Edward Fulune, and that is spelled V I L J O E N. You can find it on Amazon. You can also get a copy of Allison's book. Her name is Allison Carmen, and her book is the gift of maybe and the gift of maybe I have actually gifted to my clients and I'm looking forward to gift ordinary goodness to my clients as well because these things really do open up our minds. They allow us permission to be who we are. They allow us to permission to try and fail and try again. Or I don't even like the word failure. I like when I fail or I make a mistake, I just chalk it up to a different way of doing something. So our languaging is really important. And both of these books. Give great language to discussions that we can have with our staff, have with our coworkers, have with our bosses, have with our clients. And introducing the concept of maybe or introducing the concept of ordinary goodness, maybe not in those words, can actually be like a relief valve to your workday. And these are topics that we're exploring because we want you to love your job we want you to love your work so you can go home and love your family and create the life you want and have an extraordinary and meaningful life we're here today with allison carmen and edward full my name is sandra beck and this is coach talk radio if you liked what you're hearing today you can go to itunes under coach talk radio you can go to coach talk and find this episode and other episodes like it. And if you're thinking about doing lift, go to liftlyft.com front slash work smart. We'll be back after the break.
4: If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. Mondays at noon central, Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. This is the TokyNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge.
2: It's Marching Network.
0: Okay, ladies, listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip to waist proportions scored higher. Hmm. I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. Now, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can Take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Taking care of fish.
1: Guys and Dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and this is Coach Talk Radio, and we are visiting today with Edward Fillion and Allison Carmen. They wrote their books, respectively, Ordinary Goodness and The Gift of Maybe. These are two books that definitely should be in your arsenal. They will make your life, your job, your existence much more beneficial, productive, kinder, and easier, and we like that. We like to read books that make a difference, and these two books definitely made a difference in my life. I hope they make a difference in yours. Now, we're going to talk about a controversial topic. We're going to talk about faith, and whatever faith means to you, if it's Buddha, Yahweh, Allah, Jesus, God, higher power, oneness, spirit, I've seen so many variations of this, I really don't care about what your specific belief system is, and I really don't care about our guests' belief systems. I just want to talk about the system that is. So for the purposes of this discussion, we're just going to use God. I'm comfortable with God, and you can feel free as the listener to swap in any term you want. And I'm going to give my guests the freedom to use their own terminology that expresses in their own language and feeling what they think and believe. So here we go we're going to talk about faith and i'm going to allison carmen of the gift of maybe first now allison where does faith fit in the role of maybe well the truth is is that if you
3: have faith you don't need maybe see faith for me is is just whatever the reason you have it's this ability to hang out in the unknown and know everything will be okay And that's ultimately what we all want. We want to have a relationship with the universe. We want to wake up every day. And no matter what happens, we want to be able to go with the ebb and flow of life. But what happens is a lot of us are so afraid of uncertainty that we can't do it. So the minute we lose the job, the minute we don't have the money, instead of saying, I'm going to have faith it's going to work out, we worry. Things are bad. They're never going to get better. How am I going to, how's my life going to change? So what maybe does it actually, it's the bridge. It's the bridge to faith. And the way it gives us this cognitive faith where we're able to hang out in the unknown by saying, maybe everything's still okay. Maybe I need to do something different. Maybe my thoughts aren't true. So what it does is it, it casts some doubt on our fear, the fear that's not allowing us to have faith. And over time, because it allows you to hang out in uncertainty, and this is the part I didn't realize when I wrote the book, I have seen people cultivate faith through the practice of maybe, because it allows you to hang out in the unknown. And the more you hang out in the unknown, You start to realize that life has an ebb and flow and uncertainty is this place where infinite possibilities exist. So I think maybe is a bridge to faith and sometimes I call maybe cognitive faith. But the more you can hang out on uncertainty, however you get there, I think that's when life really opens up.
2: My grandmother was my role model for goodness and kindness and uh, she believed in goodness. I write about her in, in my book and she had this extraordinarily Annoying habit of saying It'll all work out in the end Whenever we would bring trouble to her And just when we didn't want to hear it And I think she had this confidence In the ebb and flow of life And she imparted that to us By being steadfast And really sticking with that It got me to thinking that faith Well, faith is a kind of trust But it's it's a tricky kind of trust Because there's no guarantee There's some risk involved Having faith in something like goodness Or just the ebb and flow in life Um, It makes a person vulnerable, and so I keep on hearing my grandmother's voice in the background saying it'll all work out in the end. I'm also reminded that uh, something like faith or, or trust, it comes with practice, so whatever your spiritual practice is, it's no good unless you practice it. So people who practice meditation or whether they practice prayer or whether they're Christian or Buddhist, if they if they bring that practice into their life in a, a focused mindful way it's going to help develop their faith so i'm i'm a, a, i'm a, i'm very sure that a lot of my faith comes from having a daily a regular practice where i do whatever it is i do to help connect me to the vastness of this life and the beauty that's in it
1: And one of the things that my kids ask me, I'm a single mom with two kids, and I I have my own company. And my kids are like Niles and Frazier from that TV show. And they're both very scientifically minded. And, you know, they're googling everything, they're looking everything up, they're challenging everything I say, because that's the age to do this. And One of the things that they can't refute is my argument for faith. And they argue the existence of of great works. They argue the existence of, of the leaders that we identify as the leaders of faith. But one thing they can't argue with me is that faith makes my life better. Faith lets me manage stress. Faith lets me sleep at night. So, If I'm wrong and I pray to the wrong person or they pray the wrong way or I meditate the wrong way, none of that matters to me because faith makes my life better. Edward, you had something to add.
2: Oh, I was going to say, I have faith in many things, and one of the things I have faith in is kindness. And so whether a person is scientific-minded or religious-minded, I know that they're going to respond in the same way when people are kind toward them. It is so beautiful to see people um, responding to uh, simple, common courtesy. I make a practice of greeting people when I walk around the lake up here, and some people are surprised, literally, that a stranger would greet them, and others are delighted. And I have confidence that we can return to that kind of simple, genuine expression of kindness. And I I watch how people are affected by it. It has a ripple effect. And I'm, I'm sure about that. It's one of the things I'm sure of.
1: I'm going to say something and then go over to Allison because Allison, you'll get a kick out of this. I'm sure Edward, you will too. Recently, I was stuck in JFK. I was flying back to Los Angeles and I was stuck in JFK for like eight hours. I was some crazy, crazy problem with, with the airlines. And I decided to sit at this one little, like, out cafe, you know, in the airport. And I sat at the corner at the convergence of where two walkways were coming together and there were throngs of people going by. And me just being me thought, what would happen if I make eye contact and smile at like each person that comes down in the aisle closest to me, whether they're crossing behind me or crossing to the side. And it was so fun because first of all, nobody came up and gave me their number and thought I was hitting on them. They just smiled back. And there was And I I checked, I took my napkin, I took my pen, and I started checking off who smiled back. Now, it was... Probably like eight out of 10 smiled back. And the ones who didn't smile back were thinking about something else. Like you could see, they didn't make eye contact with me. They didn't see me, but it was so much fun because it didn't matter what country, you know, JFK's got people from all over the world. It didn't matter their race, religion, their creed, their color, their country of origin, you name it. It was as varied as the, the leaves, you know, blowing in the wind and everybody smiled back. You know that made eye contact with me, and I was just sitting there eating my breakfast burrito, counting who would smile back and who wouldn't.
3: I would throw that back to Edwards. To me, that that seems like ordinary goodness. <laughs>
2: <Right>? <laughs> well, there, there, is, absolutely. And there's a little exercise that I offer in my book, and it's it's an adult exercise. You know, I don't suggest this for children, but for adults to to. Make the practice of talking to strangers by asking them questions rather than talking at them because we're, I think we're so desperate to be heard in a way that has meaning. And so I make this practice when I'm standing in line at the grocery store or at the airport to ask people where they're traveling or something non-invasive about their life and then to practice the art of what I call generous listening so that I don't talk over them or interrupt them but truly listen to them and draw them out with questions. And I find that to be a delightful practice.
1: Edward, do you have kids? Because if not, I'm going to borrow you so that when my kids are acting (laughs) up, Edward can be the guy in line that talks to everybody and embarrasses my kids. He can be the generous (laughs) listener. You can hire him first. (laughs) That's funny. So I have a question for both of you. Um, And this is what came up when I posted to social media for today's show. I always ask for people to give me their thoughts and their opinions. And one of the things that came up was with respect to kindness being seen as weakness and compassion being seen as pity. And I think in the labeling identification process, we can get very confused into what we're doing as opposed to how somebody is perceiving it. And then it gets all jumbled up and then people are like, well, I don't want to show compassion because maybe the person will think I'm feeling sorry for them. If I show kindness at work, people will think I'm weak. I mean, people thought I was very weak in certain positions that I had in the entertainment industry because I was so kind. And I would say on a weekly basis, I kid you not, do not mistake my kindness for weakness. I will say this in a kind manner But I want it done. And so we get kind of turned around in these kindness, weakness, compassion, pity. I'm going to go to Allison first to talk about that. And then, Edward, you can follow up. Thanks. I just think
3: that our society judges things wrong. I always say, you know, the loudest person in the room The person who makes the most most noise is often sometimes the weakest person in the room. And for me, it takes more strength to be kind and compassionate than any other quality out there. So I think that our society might not view it the right way, but I am pretty clear that to stand in kindness and compassion when you're going through a tough time, when things aren't working out, when someone's not being nice to you, that's where we cultivate real strength in life. And to me, that's living with an open heart and there's nothing more important than than those two qualities.
2: Yeah, kindness most certainly isn't weakness. Sometimes you need tremendous strength of character to say the kind thing, uh, to find the, the more beautiful way to say something. Say, for example, if you're having a very difficult communication or if you have to communicate difficult news, uh, I use the example of uh, a student, a music student, say, for example, who's not showing the aptitude to learn an instrument and clearly isn't going to advance. At what point do you – communicate to that student? And how do you communicate it in a way that is uplifting for all? So that takes genuine strength of character. And I I think that in our world today, there seems to be an absence or a reduction in kindness. And it's possible that it is because of the fast pace of social media, short text messages. There's a separation between us and the other person we're communicated with. So there's a heartlessness. We, We don't know anything about them and we can tend to shoot out Fast communications that don't really uh, connect us to each other. So being kind in this world, it, it requires um, paying attention to do my words really convey the meaning and the feeling of how I want to be in this world. Are am, am, my values coming through?
1: I need to take us to commercial break. We're visiting today with Edward Fulhune of Ordinary Goodness and Allison Carmen of The Gift of Maybe. When we come back from the break, we're going to hear some personal stories from each of our authors to as how they came to be where they are to be and where they are today, because the tapestry of our lives is a beautiful thing and we can learn so much. We'll be back after the break.
4: minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond.
1: To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn
0: about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same, but if that 150-pound person takes a
1: one-hour brisk walk... Then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body.
0: Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm
1: Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com.
4: This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world.
2: It's Words You Never heard.
0: Did you know that besides home and work, Americans spend more time at the mall than anywhere else? There are 50,000 shopping malls in the United States alone. The Mall of America, located between Minneapolis and St. Paul, is the largest in the world with more than 500 stores. What's a word for a person who is a compulsive shopper? An oniomaniac. Studies have shown that women will buy more if they hear their heels clicking on the floor. So designers often use hard flooring in hallways. Of course, the stores want customers to spend all their coopity-coop. That's another word for money. Well, I gotta run. There's only one more shopping day until tomorrow. My husband said if I don't quit shopping so much, he would leave me. Lord, I'm gonna miss that man. It's
2: merchandise.
0: I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
4: Taking care of business.
1: guys and dolls this is sandra beck and we are at the personal portion of our episode this is one of my favorite parts because i love to hear people's stories and you know throughout history we've used parables to illustrate points and stories to educate us and we often remember the story and we might remember the point but we definitely will remember the story and that can jog what uh brings up uh you know really the point of the story and I think everyone has a story, and everyone has a story that leads to a changing point that leads them to create what I think they were put on this earth to create. Now, with me, I was raised in a small town, and I did not want to marry a chicken farmer. Nothing against chicken farmers, but that was not what I wanted. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to learn. I wanted to see what was out there. Fascinated of what's under every cover of a book, what's under every rock, what's off the jetway of an airplane flight, just insatiable, insatiable. And when my mom was dying and I was taking care of her, she passed away from breast cancer uh, about uh, five years ago now. One of the things that happened to me was that A woman, Judy Brizantine, gave me this book, Blinded by Grief, because I didn't know what happened to me. I felt like my world fell apart, and I got divorced at the same time. I had two little kids, two two months old and and two years old, and all of a sudden, I had all these payments to make, and it was so overwhelming to me beyond what I had ever experienced, and I get this book from Judy Brizantine, and... It became clear to me after that that I needed to create multimedia that inspired people, that educated them and entertained them in a way that was free. Because when you come from a little town like I did, nothing's free. And people can get fancy educations, drive fancy cars, and I'm termed scrappy by my family because I scrapped it out and made a life for myself. And I continue to carve that out. But that was a big turning point for me when I got something free that changed my life so at that point i shifted and i started creating with my media company and my tech company shows like this that can make a difference for anyone and all they have to do is listen i'm going to go to allison carmen and ask what was the turning point that led you to create the gift of maybe
3: well first i'm so happy that you made that shift because it brought us all together today and, and this has been wonderful um For me, I was addicted to certainty. If I didn't know what was going to happen in my life, I projected things were going to be bad or they weren't going to work out. So what I did in order to make myself feel better is I'd write these stories. And I wrote this grand story that I was going to become a lawyer. I was going to marry this great guy, get a great job, and then my life would be great and I would have no more uncertainty. And then I get to work. My second day, I became the lawyer. I got everything worked out the way I had planned. And the second day of work, my office mate came in and said, Hey, Allison, did you hear? They're firing half the first years. And I was a first year. And it was in that moment that I realized that life had no certainty. But I had no tool to deal with it. So I spun out of control. My immune system became compromised. I stopped sleeping. And for a long time, I could not find ground in my life because my fear of the unknown just overwhelmed me. And then one day, I heard this beautiful Taoist story, which I shared last time I was on one of your shows. And it introduced to me this concept of maybe. And the minute I heard that story, I actually felt a pop in my chest because I realized that life's not a one-way street. You're not doomed because you thought life would happen one way. This idea of maybe constantly allows me to, to alleviate this little fear, this cramped place in my mind where I'm stuck. And it opens me up to this place of infinite possibilities. And over time, maybe has allowed me to cultivate faith in my life, this ability just to be okay no matter what. So um, it's been a beautiful journey, but it was maybe that kind of made me the ground that maybe everything is okay, Maybe it'll get better. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And it, it just really liberating.
2: And we're talking about the defining moments in our lives, and I, I love hearing about them because I have this idea that if we knew about each other's challenges in life and what what's really important and what defines us, it would be very difficult for us to not love each other and because, you know, we get connected when we hear about the courage that it takes for the ordinary person to get through life. One of my defining moments uh, was in my childhood. I grew up with a special needs brother. He turned in uh, my mother's womb and had a... Uh, brain damaged as a result of oxygen deprivation in his birth and he wasn't expected to live very long except that he fooled everybody and lived right until the age of 30 and as a result we had to care for him he had seizures and he would fall so I in a way I didn't have a childhood because I had to accelerate my maturity to be part of the team that took care of my brother and looking back at it now, although I would never have chosen that life because of its extraordinary difficulty, I look back at it now with a, with softness and realize that everything I learned about patience or kindness or service to others – I, I learned from that experience, and one of the most important factors was the presence of my grandmother, who whose perseverance uh, throughout the whole thing and her availability was uh, making an impression upon me. I didn't realize at the time that she was shaping my values and that she was instilling in me this sense of goodness and kindness to others. And it caused me to realize after she was long gone that w- perhaps we all don't realize what, how we're affecting the people around us because of our defining moments. And so it's brought to light that I don't think people are watching me, but they are. People are being affected by each other. And so it, it calls to my awareness the importance of really knowing what do I want to stand for and then taking a stand for that.
1: Well, and I look at both of you. You know, you guys, prior to me meeting you through radio, you guys were just the name on a book, And a picture, you know, sometimes on the back of a book or, you know, a biography that gives you, like, your creds. But it doesn't even come close to what it feels like being able to talk to both of you and hearing your experiences. I feel like I want to reach to the microphone and, like, hug each of you because when you tell your story – You become human to me. You're not just this fancy name on a pretty book cover. Both of your book covers, by the way, because I'm really picky. Love, love, love your book covers. They're pretty. They're good for gifts. I'm going to be like, you know, crazy shilling for these books. But they're pretty and there you open them up and you learn but it doesn't even come close to having the experience of being able to talk with both of you and i really appreciate your time today and your openness to talk about your personal experience because both of you in your own way have taken something that was of great difficulty and you turned it around to Offer something up to the world. Offer something to the universe. And people listening today are going through difficult times. They're going through hardship. And one of the things that I find really helpful is that none of it lasts. Now, the good doesn't last. The bad doesn't last. But when we can look to Edward or to Carmen or to, or Allison, sorry, to, to Allison and to myself and go, wow, they got through, they got through and look what they did with it. That's the inspiration. And now I'm going to ask each of you, who was your greatest inspiration? We're going to go to Edward first because he, he mentioned his grandmother. What was your grandmother's name so we can honor her? Uh,
2: her name was Florence. And in my book, I have a photo of her 18 years old on her wedding day. And I cherish that photo. She certainly was a, a role model for me. And, but I'm surrounded. You know, As soon as I started looking for role models, I find them everywhere. Um, the neighbor. I, recently, a cat of mine passed away unexpectedly, and in the middle of the night I had before the cat passed away, I, I, it was very messy, and I had to get to the emergency uh, cat hospital and a, a neighbor came out in the middle of the night and helped me take my messy cat in their car to the vet. Those are my role models the ordinary people who go beyond the line of duty to do something good for someone else I work as uh, I work with the Sonoma County Law Enforcement Chaplaincy Program, and so I get to interact with first responders all the time, and that's another area where I experience such an open-heartedness, because there are people in our first responders who go beyond the call of duty, to, and I'm inspired by them all the time.
3: I agree with Edward. I think that I find inspiration um, every day, with every person I meet, every conversation I had have. But interestingly, I also find inspiration from my own suffering. Uh, I, I just know that when I'm suffering, there's something wrong with my thinking or there's something new I need to learn or this is an experience I need to need to d- dig deep in. And it's always been inspiring because there's always a way that suffering changes and transforms and turns into joy. And I don't know. It's life's just been a really great journey and uh, every moment pretty
1: inspiring. Well, we all suffer like that's the one thing that, you know, as much as these are poignant heart tugging, you know, parts of the show, what always strikes me is we all suffer. We all suffer about something, for something, because of something. And I don't know where we got it written somewhere in our culture that life was meant to be without suffering. I know there's commercials for every pain medicine, drug, you name it. So you don't suffer, you don't suffer. But through suffering, for me, has come the greatest change. I'm going to go to Edward to close out the show. How has suffering allowed you to change?
2: I think when we uh, discover that... the. Uh, Everyone has those feelings. It helps us feel with them, and that's the meaning of compassion. So instead of having pity for somebody, we have an identification of their experience, and that may be the thing that causes us to step out of our boundaries and do something to help make the world a better place for everyone.
1: I love that. And you guys have been outstanding, wonderful, amazing, gentle, sweet, kind, loving, smart guests. It's such an honor for me to host a show like this. And it's so much fun because I come away. like I feel good. If you guys could see me, I'm smiling from ear to ear. And I hope everybody listening today feels uplifted. Now, if you like these these guests today, you're going to love their books. Um, Edward Fillune and his name is spelled V-I-L-J-O-E-N. And he's got some other books, too he's got the power of meditation seeing good at work spirit is calling and practice the presence Uh, those are really cool and Allison Carmen you're not going to want to miss the gift of maybe that's a great client gift and we want to thank our sponsor today lift.com go to lift.com front slash work smart if you want to supplement your income if you want to pay for that training program the college fund hockey or football or hey you could pay for Allison and Edwards books with that money so so you're going to want to check out lift.com front slash work I am your host, Sandra Beck. This is coach talk radio. If you liked this episode, you can hear it again on iTunes. You can go to coach and please check out Allison and Edward online. There's lots to learn. There's lots to do. We hope that you take whatever suffering you're going through and feel updated, validated, comforted, and you go out to create your own masterpiece. We'll be back again next week
0: thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio.